everyone, welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 40... What the fuck was that? <laughs> episode 47, that's staying in. Alan, what did you just do? Janelle Monet's live on Instagram. I didn't even open it. My phone was just like, oh, did you want to watch this? I'm like, I don't right now. I'm busy. Fantastic. Hi, hello. Thanks for being on your phone. I wasn't on my <laughs> This is very important commitment for you. Wow, this is fucked. This is fucked up. This is a slander, and I won't have it. Katie's here, too. We're all Hello, here. Hello, that is me. <laughs> We're back. Welcome back. Oh, I think the first thing that uh, I said on this this episode is a, my burst of laughter that I tend to do. So Fantastic. On brand. So we missed a month or two. Yeah, just, or... just a few little bit. Uh, what are you talking about? We just talked about, uh, you know, we did our Elon Musk jokes. We talked okay. about... Uh, yeah, uh, old Muskie. Old Musky. We covered all the Avengers films. We talked about Poppy. <laughs> oh, God. Can you believe that Elon Musk and Grimes are still dating? <laughs> <laughs> that Met Gala photo is wild. I know. She looks like a horse girl. <laughs> he does look like a cyberpunk supervillain. What a union buster. This guy sucks. Yeah. Uh, no. Anyways, we're here to talk about what's the comic, the web comic? Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, that's, can't that's what we talked about. It was great. You can't was, do this. It's fantastic. We also, at the beginning, you're like, sorry we missed a month. <laughs> right? Well, anyway, again, you know. Always. Always and forever missing a month. True people, true friends know, true friends who run podcasts know that it's hard out here. Listen. <laughs> it's hard out here for a pod. Anyways, it's been 10 months and we're back. We're the same old motherfuckers. Uh, just garbage humans. Welcome back to the trash fire. It's were the fire we doing session. it monthly before we took Ida's? We were doing it bi-weekly, and then we did monthly. And then we started doing monthly at the end, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're still doing it monthly, so. Hell yeah. <laughs> so there we go. Nothing changed, except maybe we changed in the past 10 months. But we're still doing it. We're still, uh, we're still getting together every month to talk about media and having... Doing a, a club every month, so fun stuff. Having yeah. ribald conversations and uh, questioning our own taste critically <laughs> in a podcast format. That's what we do here. It's Ryan and Katie and Alan, the return of the Mac. Ryan, what have you been up to in the last 10 months? That's not, we're not doing this. <laughs> we cannot do that. <sighs> Uh, what have you been up to recently? Alan, you've been watching all the Marvel movies. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not bringing any more energy to this pod. That was you all of it. You want to talk about it? Not really. You just told oh, me okay. you were, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm catching up on the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because that's the kind of person I am. Uh, yeah, who's excited for Endgame? Anybody excited for Endgame? Anybody? I mean, yeah. honestly, like a little bit. Like a little you know? bit. Like I've I've invested myself in these movies so far. Like it would. Mm. I, I mean, I, at this point, I gotta see it. Plus, I have free ticket coupon, so. Oh, so you're not. You might as well go see it then. <laughs> yeah. At that point. Yeah, three hours of free movie. Oh, oh, Don't God. take your children if they can't be quiet for three hours. You're, you are, you will never want to go to the bathroom, folks. Yeah, never. You can't pee one. You'll miss a whole character death if you if you pee one. <laughs> a three-hour movie has never <laughs> existed before in today. Mm. 
we invented it. What if they did an intermission? Oh my god! It just that was suggested, their... but the, the guy was like, "No, there's no intermission. Just all film." <laughs> this movie is so, so good, you will want to take a shit right in your seat. <laughs> oh, no. Movie's so good, dot dot dot. You'll want to take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> the AV Club. Or you uh, might want to take a nap. Who can say? I wasn't that far behind uh, last time I checked, so I had to. I watched. Um, Ant-Man 1 and 2. Uh, the first one is oh. fine, but doesn't need to exist. The second one is bad and doesn't need to exist. <laughs> Aww, uh, I thought the first one was funny. It's very funny. It's just like as an MC, it's like it's a it's a good movie, but it's like, why is this in the MC? Why does it, he's barely a superhero. Like Paul him doing the Rudd. whole like, the, Paul Rudd's like charming and handsome. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. <laughs> he's please handsome please and funny. look up Paul Rudd dog on Twitter. Paul you Rudd. will not be disappointed. <laughs> um, and his all of his like side characters in that movie are really good, but uh, the second one is like, oh, we didn't come up with a villain, uh, but he still has to have the suit, and we made another movie, and it's the sloppiest MCU film I've ever seen. It's ridiculous that they. How is the is the wasp interesting? No, uh, no, okay. no. She's basically like, I've been trapped here. Help me, Ant Man. Oh yeah, the mom. Literally, yeah. when I watched the first one with my friends, I was like, at the end of the movie, they talk about how, uh, so Ant-Man can like go subatomic, and there's this whole thing about like if you keep going too small, you might not be able to get back because then you go to a level of subatomic size where you like cross through time and space, like you break the dimensional barrier. Um, and Hank Pym's wife did that to save the whole world from like a nuke or something. And so she's disappeared into the nth dimension. And they mentioned that offhandedly in the first movie. And I was like, I literally, I bet you the second movie is about them rescuing the mom. And I was instantly right. And I was like, why? What is, why? What is any of this for? Because then the wasp is also like a character and they shrink a whole lab down to a, the size of like an action figure. And that's a whole plot point. And again, and there's, there's no the, villain. Uh, Hello Kitty, like Pez. Yeah, the yeah the big Pez. I like Luis. Luis is good and pure and a friend. Um, he's good. That's the thing I realized with all these MCU movies is everything that has to do with like Marvel is boring and samey and like falls into a formula as everyone knows. And then every time there's like side characters having interiority, it's like just give me this. Just don't. Sure. You know. Um. So next on my list is I still haven't seen Spider-Man: Homecoming. I'm like kind of doing them out of order. And I just need to see Infinity War Part 1, and then I'm good. Did you see Captain Marvel? Uh, No, I guess I do have to also see that. You're right. That's the one out of all of them that I think you might actually enjoy. Yeah, Yeah. I I actually really did like Captain Marvel. There were a few scenes where I was like, eh, but, you know, it's good. The discourse around it sucks, and the Air Force stuff sucks. Oh, yeah, definitely. The part where fans are like, oh, if if you squint, you might see a gay... (laughs) <laughs> that part sucks. What? The part where they're in the like old friend's house and they have photos of each other, like implies yeah. that they had a relationship. Oh. Uh, but also she has a kid now, and I'm not saying Queer will can't have kids, but also if you if you really gotta squint to see it, you, that's not the representation, folks. Yeah. So this is what yeah. I've heard, right? And again, the whole like sponsored by the Air Force stuff just makes me. Like, immediately turns me off. But this is all... It's all corporate. It's Disney, you know? 
Uh, we're all gonna watch Star Wars this December. Oh my god, we all. No, we're not. Oh my god. Okay, we're do we really? Are we ready? We're, we're gonna talk about the trailer, right? We're gonna talk Just, about yeah, it right we now. Yeah, we dip into it. Yeah, I have, I have thoughts about. I, this. I, I was at work when it dropped, so I didn't get to watch it until I went. I, I came home, uh, that day, and I was on a call during it, and. I knew pretty much everything except for the fact that the emperor was going to be in it, and I yeah was so disappointed. I was already okay. disappointed by the name of Rise of Skywalker, but also okay. The... Thank you. Yes. It feels like okay. So this this new movie, Rise of Skywalker, to me feels like a weenie measuring contest with Ryan Johnson's <laughs> movie. I'm like, they're gonna just erase everything that. The Last Jedi set up, which I thought was like, I really loved The Last Jedi because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know what? It's new and different for a Star Wars movie. This, you know, like, Ray's parents are nobodies. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's talking about, like, gray morality. You know, maybe the Jedi aren't the best in the world. Never since and... the Clone Wars has Star Wars challenged itself. Yeah, exactly. And so now, like, this is literally just going to undo everything. Kylo fixes his mask. Mm-hmm. Rey is probably a Skywalker now for some reason. Yeah, because there was a quote from J.D. Abrams that's like, there's more to it than that. And Which... it's like, you titled the movie Rise of Skywalker. So. So who's And the, we know the, they're all else? fucking dead because, yeah. uh, 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 what's her name? Leia's gonna die in this movie probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But it's just so disappointing because it's like there was so much like new material that was like thought provoking and cool. And it's like you can do tons of stories with saying like people are not their legacy. You're your own person. You can make your own decisions. And I like how Snoke was just a regular sized dude who died. Like, that was cool. And I don't also, know. Like- I wish he was, I wish he was big. <laughs> I wish he was a, a, a ten story high dude. Yeah. Well. If they're gonna make Kylo Ren big, then they gotta make Snoke big. That's the rule. Remember a big Kylo Ren meme? That was classic. Yeah. Oh. My mom said it's my turn to play the Xbox. <laughs> I'm yeah. I, I'm gonna watch it. Like I'm gonna watch it. I'm guys. gonna Oops. watch it too. I have zero excitement. And also the Palpatine thing really threw me for a loop because I was just like, how? How? He fell into the Death Star, which then exploded. Uh Uh-huh. No one's ever really gone. Right. There's, okay, I don't typically like red letter media, but there's a pretty good uh, red letter media video of uh, one of them. Uh, They cut together all of the major deaths in Star Wars um, with mm-hmm. them just saying no one's ever really gone over and over again. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get Force Ghost crap. We're gonna get Palpatine crap. We're gonna get ugh. It's gonna be a mess, and I'm ready for it. That's, I'm that's my watch thing it. with watching the MCU too. Is like it's not gonna be good. <laughs> God, it's not. Endgame is not gonna be a good film, of course not. But it's gonna be a fun mess. It's like a game. Of, I watch Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I have these. I am. I'm. I have, I have these very basic tastes here and there. It's. It's. It's the same thing that Katie was talking about. Where like, I'm too invested. I've read all the books and watched the whole show. I might as well watch the next five episodes. Sure. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. It's trashy, but it makes people happy, and I can respect that. Yeah. Uh, segue into Star Trek Discovery. 
Speaking of trash. Speaking of the star. Speaking of things that used to challenge itself but then don't anymore. Oh my gosh. Alan, you were on you're on this ride too, buddy. Tragically, I'm s i am I don't even know what's going on. Star Trek Discovery season one was a really good show that had some problems, but mostly it was really good and it challenged itself the way The Last Jedi did with Star Wars, where it really was like, Is is Starfleet good? Actually. Are Starfleet captains inherently good? Sometimes they aren't. Sometimes they're sometimes they just they make bad calls, um, and they're sometimes they're just evil, and that's just inherent to how structures of commands work and stuff like that. That's what season one did. Season two, they were like, okay, we're doing section thirty-one, and one of the main characters, main like command admirals of the show literally says on screen nation building isn't easy so we have section 31 and you're like damn they're really gonna tackle this whole imperialism shit and then they changed writers rooms because the showrunners were abusive and then they stopped caring about that plot and they just they just made it the abrams movies again (laughs) yeah okay wasn't there like a ridiculous time skip too uh yes that happens in the okay. finale. That's finale stuff, yeah. Yeah. From what I, I only know rumblings about it. I suspected it though. It's the the sick. Uh, right, you were talking about how, like how hilarious it is that the they the just show- they just made the show the entire show is a time travel plot now. Right. That's just the whole show. The, the the premise of season two was like there's these signals out in space and we gotta find out what these are. It's the mystery of the season. And before the writer's room changed, it was like these signals will lead us to just have a regular ass Star Trek episode, like a TNG episode. Like just here's eight arc, here's just an episode, it has an arc. You, you you get you get the characters the characters go through an arc uh you figure out what's happening it's a good space adventure and then oh, yeah. and then the red signals turn into uh burnham's mom time traveling so they can defeat an evil ai that's going to wipe entire civilization in 500 years or whatever mm-hmm. and right. then it became the main character of the show is actually what caused the signals. So then she can go forward into time and destroy the AI. Uh, and then that evolves into the main cast of the show at the end of the season going into a time warp 950 years of the, into the future uh, so they can destroy the AI. And they do it. And that's the end of the season. Spock, uh, the main character of Star Trek Discovery is like Spock's uh, like adopted sister. Like Sarek adopted her. Um, and then fans were like, well, why doesn't Spock mention her? This doesn't make sense with canon. And one of the like big quotes from the showrunner now has been, well, with season two, we wanted to answer the fans' concerns of canon. Uh, and so we wrote about why she is not mentioned by Spock in the show. Which is, like, not what I wanted out of the show. If I wanted you to cater to shitty Star Trek fans who will just complain about anything, 
um and like not accept anything outside of canon and who have already decided to like just watch the orville instead like i'm not here for it <laughs> like i just want you to make a cool show with cool characters and now your pitch for season three is we launched the ship 900 and uh, 950 years into the future uh so we don't have to worry about canon anymore and i'm like yeah you could have just wrote a normal ass show with these characters in this time period, but you chose not to. And I don't trust that you're going to do the same thing for next season. So I'm out. I'm not going to watch next season unless like somebody says, Hey, it's actually really good. I'd be willing to give it another shot, but I don't trust that team to make the Star Trek show I wanted, which is a shame because like, the casting on Discovery is really good, like really like good, diverse characters. They really nailed the actors that they got for all of these characters, but they're they're not interested in doing anything interesting with them. So, so I'm just really sad and frustrated by it. Understandably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my Star Trek rant. Did you have anything else other than that, Alan? Not really. Like like you were saying, there were moments in season two that felt like they gave a shit and they were exciting. And it's like, wow, yeah. these like Spock and Burnham moments are like really good. And even the first time they see the some like the ship from the first Star Trek, you're like, wow, that's so cool. And like for me, that wasn't that as as cool as it should have been because it didn't look right to me. Mm-hmm. It felt too flashy and and clean. And they keep trying to, like, backpedal on Discovery looking futuristic, but original series not. Like, there's a character in on the Enterprise and Discovery who looks like she's from the 1960s because it's supposed to be like, no, but, like, it is that canon. And that stuff's cute but annoying, and I don't care. I don't need a show about that. So, like, if they're going to jettison them into out of canon by putting them in the future, and that's, like, the story they're going to tell, I don't know, maybe that'll be good. I, but again, I'll wait. I'll wait and see. I'm yeah, not in a rush but, to watch that. But also, they don't even do the thing I wanted was like, they don't do the thing I wanted, which is we have a really cool, diverse uh, set of characters. And isn't it weird that is it that it's in this era with all with this like predominantly like white yeah. uh, ship um, and they don't even explore that. And it's that it, that was really disappointing. I, I thought that was going to be a thing that we, they were going to do and they just don't. Mm-hmm. They just don't do it. Also, they break continuity within the season. <laughs> they just like whole scraps of like character development is thrown out for the time travel plot. Mm. Like, cool. uh, there's a character Ash Tyler who is half human, half Klingon. It's a long story. Watch season one. <laughs> um, but at the beginning of season two, he's like fake killed because he was with he had a relationship with the queen. Um, and it was just not like it was frowned upon. Um, and so to put everything back under control, the queen was like, here's this guy's fake head, throwing it into the lava. Here's our (laughs) child that I hid from the world also dead. Um, they just, it was just a ploy to get everybody to get along again within the Klingons. The last episode of this show, Ash Tyler goes back to the Klingons and has them help fight the evil AI thing, even though he's supposed to be dead to the Klingons. I don't understand. (laughs) I don't understand. So. Yeah. 
It's well, a bummer. They're they're just making it like the Abrams movies again. There's just not there's no themes. Nothing's happening. Ugh, it's frustrating. That classic shot at the beginning of the finale where it's just the spinning. Yes. <laughs> Oh, they're in the they're in the space battle where it's not even a Star Trek space battle, it's a Star Wars space battle, because they took all the escape pods and put lasers on them, but then they never show who's in them. <laughs> and then and then Michael Burnham has a fucking Tony Stark spacesuit that she used Oh god, it's so fucking bad. Spock shaves at the end of the season and he looks twelve. Anyway, that's my, that's my that's my the Star Wars Star Wars. That's my Star Trek rant. We did I didn't it. even know it was like physically possible for Stock to have Stock for Spock to have a beard. <laughs> no, he does. He looks better with it. Well, the actor looks better with it with the beard. I not, agree. It's not bad. Some of the Spock. But you don't like Ash Tyler's thing. beard. Ash Tyler's beard is good. I look at old Ash Tyler from season one. And I'm like, who is this man? Mm-hmm. Whose man's is this? I like the beard. But yeah. I like the beard. I like the beard. Stop getting J.J. Abrams people to make sci-fi shit, please. They don't know how to do it. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, the... it's your connecting thread. J.J. Abrams working on Star Trek, Star Wars. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he's working on Star Wars. The, uh, the showrunner of Discovery is somebody who worked on the Abrams movies. So... They're just ru- they're just ruining both franchises. What do you want? <laughs> Maybe he like secretly hates both, and he's both trying franchises. to sabotage both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna come after Mass Effect next. Mass Effect's already <laughs> bad. You can't destroy it. Something that's already bad. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Is there anything positive we want to talk about before we move on? Let me think. Hey, yeah, Katie, you were mad about anime. No, I don't want to talk about that anime. It's embarrassing and bad. Okay, that's fair and valid. That um, that new season of One Punch Man is fine. There was a big fuss about it being a new animation studio because the first season is like really gorgeous and well animated and has like great fight scenes and all this stuff, very expressive. And the new one is like. The thing is, it just looks like a normal 2019 anime. Mm-hmm. It like looks yeah. a little bit flat, but not that boring. And the writing is still okay because one knows how to write a story. The guy, the manga cut for One Punch Man. That's the only anime from the season that I'm watching. I don't watch a lot of things right now. I'm trying to get on that Dragon Prince though. I saw I watched some more Dragon Prince last night. Dragon Prince is pretty good. Hmm. Season two is like going. <gasps> the thing I like about. The way he has in company. Katie, something happened no, to Katie. Hold on. No, I just, I, I just thought of a current season anime that I am excited about, but I can, I can, I can wait. I can. Oh okay. please, yes. Take my turn. Um, just, uh, season one of Dragon Prince, I thought was like took, I, I didn't like, I wasn't enamored with the entire thing, but I liked what they were doing with those characters and setting up a lot of stuff. And so far with season two, I've only watched like three episodes. But what's great is they're not, like the thing with Avatar is like we're going somewhere. There's a new adventure every week. This is like no, we're. This is a different conversation every week. They don't go that many places. Mm-hmm. They're kind of just like in the woods for a lot of it, mm-hmm. and it's only a nine episode season. So like that seems to be, you know, I've watched a third of the season then, 
and they're just in the woods. And I think that's kind of cool. It's just like in exploring interiority and setting up motivations and romances and stuff that's going to mm-hmm. inevitably blow up like either end of this season or next, you know? I really like the character writing in, in Dragon yeah, Prince. Yeah, I love it. That's, I, they, they're setting up a love triangle in season two that I don't love, but it mm. probably will end before within like two episodes. Also, just I really like the world building and like the political, like the first three episodes of that show are fantastic and when it sets up like mm-hmm. as a political like um political situation it's really cool yeah they're um apparently going to get back to that stuff in in season two like talking about those characters who aren't even some of them aren't even around anymore yeah are gonna have some stuff so it's like it, yeah they're they're doing stuff that's gonna go for a while though i feel like it's one where you can watch it now and be caught up and, and be like, okay, this is like an okay show, but it's going to get great as it blossoms. Mm-hmm. And they actually get to explore those like political ideas. Um, Katie, you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned anime that you did like from this season? Yes. Okay. Fruits tell Basket me about it. Revival. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah I, I am heard about so that. happy about this. Like, uh, Fruits Basket, you know, obviously is initially like started in the late 90s and then ran until 2006. Mm-hmm. And I think the anime was 2001? Question mark? Anyway. I can, check. I can check. I obviously did not enjoy it at the time it was airing. Mm-hmm. But when I was going through my significant weeaboo phase in fifth grade, um, this was one of the shows that I really loved. And then, like, also Tokyo Mew Mew and other manga that's embarrassing like vampire knight and gentleman's alliance and whatever but i was really into shoujo and so like this coming back and having like good animation and being cute and everything like that it just makes my elementary school heart happy did your elementary school heart also like what's the thing that came from fruits basket glom glomming glomping glomping that's <laughs> yeah um glomper no i <laughs> okay so even even is. okay so yeah glomping is basically like a very aggressive form of a hug it's kind of like where you run and jump on a person like with your arms out and you just like Throw your body onto them, but it's like a hug at the same time. Um, like, like a tackle? Yeah, kind yes, of. Yes, yes, okay. but you don't, the intent is not to take them down, I guess. <laughs> it's like an overwhelming to, hug. Your intent is to yeah. take them down emotionally. That, what, I'm say- well. what I'm saying is if you were at an anime con in about 2009, you almost certainly either glomped or were glomped by some rando. Yeah. It was like... And- Weird. Oh my gosh, people would like literally say glomp like onomatopoeia. No, free glomps. <laughs> Why did you make me remember? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. To d- but that's from Fruits Basket, right? Because that's like when you touch people, they turn. Yeah, they turn into the animals. Yeah. So that's why I, that's like the weird thing about that anime coming back is like, yeah, Fruits Basket, really cool, like good premise. Um, like a beautiful animated. It's like a, it's about a girl and that's not creepy, weird about that, but like also glomping. It's one of the most like yeah. strange phenomenon in anime fandom. Um, I know it's so invasive. Exactly, but uh, I 
didn't have a huge anime con phase. I had friends that did and always talked about that stuff. So I was just like, oh, that show is bad. <laughs> Yeah, I had a huge anime con phase starting in, like, 2010. Ooh. So, I can attest to the glomping. Not that I've ever been, uh, actually. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I, was I, didn't never... even, I didn't even ask you to own yourself, Katie. I did not. No, I, I was never the one who was aggressively affectionate physically towards random strangers. That's fair. So, there's and that. Fair. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember what anime was popular in 2010. Just like K-On, Black Butler. Uh, oh, yeah. There was like Monogatari at the time. Yeah, and then um, Vocaloid cosplays were still everywhere. Yes, yes. This was a big year for the for Miku fans. There's a, Oh, I just realized something. Sorry. Uh, you know what part of modern culture like reminds me of old anime fandom? Uh, TikTok cosplayers. Uh, cause there's, yeah, there's a... it's kind of surreal. Yeah, it's very Honestly. surreal. Um, there's a meme right now that people do where they dress up as their favorite cosplay and like dance, like bop to a song to the beat as if they are animated. I yeah. can't explain it. It's just so strange and kind of funny. And I, it, uh, I don't know what the teens are into anymore. It makes me feel very old, y'all. That's the thing. It's like I watch this <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, these these cosplay is good. I recognize that this is from a game. Cool. But I and then they do like role play stuff and I'm like, I don't I get really bad secondhand embarrassment, unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) I try to numb myself to that feeling though. That's why I like immerse myself in these 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 apps sometimes. Is I'll just like stay up until two AM watching TikToks and be like, I'm in it. I'm just just bury me in the awkward. I love it. Yeah. Cause it's somebody yeah. like I don't. I, again, I don't. I, I don't never want to criticize somebody for liking something. It's just like, it doesn't. That's not the way I'm used to seeing people express fandom. But yeah, shout outs to you. It's like when it the Shrieking Shack, yeah, which is a Harry Potter podcast. Um, when they talk about like young adult stuff and young adult fandoms, and you're just like, oh, like imagines the Tumblr imagines oh, crazy. Uh... Hi, Katie. <laughs> you're just yeah. like, oh, I've never got understood this, but like I was looking up some K-pop thing recently and somebody wrote a really long elaborate imagine about like what if this K-pop guy came to America knew English and went on a date with you specifically I'm like, uh, yeah okay and it's always like the okay one of the big like <laughs> real life like fan fiction things I guess imagine tropes is that you're a girl and you have a messy bun and then your mom sells you to this guy for some reason what what <laughs> Yeah, they're so sp- that's so specific. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like you wake up and you're drinking your morning coffee and you put your hair into a messy bun and you got your favorite sweatshirt on and you walk into the kitchen and there is Harry Styles. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay, I was trying to think of somebody, but there and Harry Styles is After, there now in theaters, <laughs> and he says. You know, okay, let's go. And then you're like, what? What is going on? Why? And then your mom is like, oh, didn't you know? Uh, he's your owner now? Question mark. <laughs> I sold you to him. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. I'm gonna give that. I'm gonna go ahead and give that a big yikes. Yeah. Oh, same. But, but I don't think you really took time to imagine it though. Yeah, I gotta really just sit with it. That's the other funny thing about imagines is like. Uh, it's it's usually like a couple, like a paragraph maximum, 
But it's just like, now, yeah, just sit in the scene. The, the enjoyment you get out of this is how much fun it is to just, like, enjoy, think about it. You do the work. <laughs> what? It's like, yo, I wanted to write a book, but I didn't feel like writing it. So here's, the, here's like, the synopsis. You just figure the rest of it out. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right. Oh, Tumblr. Oh, Tumblr. <laughs> I think that's a segment one <laughs> in the back. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Ima- imagine it. the Fireside Friends are back and they wrote a fire segment. They did a fire segment. <laughs> With Fireside write- Imagine? <laughs> yeah, Fireside Friends Imagine. Somebody pr- give me one of those, please. Uh, do we still have a Tumblr? We uh, well, I deleted the Tumblr app off my phone, so... I didn't say I deleted the Tumblr. I was like, Katie. <laughs> I deleted yeah. the Tumblr. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, it's still up. It hasn't been updated, and all these links are probably dead because we changed hosting. Oh, yep. fuck yeah. So it's useless. Send us your imagines at uh, firesidefriends.topper.com. Yeah. Oh my god, the last one I hear is episode 26. Yeah, fuck. And that's a dead <laughs> link. You're right. That's a dead link because we changed hosting to abnormal mapping. So Fantastic. It's useless. <laughs> this is for Pan. Remember Pan's Labyrinth? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> Anyway, we need to take a break so we can talk about this show. Let's play some music and talk about a violent evergarden. We should watch Cars or Fireside Friends. The, the the movie with the like Mater. Yeah, life Lightning is a McQueen. highway, you know. Life is like a highway. Yeah, I never really thought about that. Anyways, Violet Evergarden <laughs> is a originally a light novel from that came out in 2015 to 2018 by Kana Akatsuki, and uh, was released by Kyoane on Netflix as a Netflix original anime in January of 2018. Yep. And Alan, since you took over hosting, what happens in this? <laughs> Shit. Are we starting? Is this real? <laughs> I think this. I is... mean, Alan just started, so yes. <laughs> okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a show that takes place in an unspecific time, in like the olden days. It's like not Europe and not World War One. This isn't yeah. the Mama's Europe. <laughs> yeah. Well, anime Europe is a very, very, very common thing. Um, yeah. The story involves these these people called auto memory dolls who are people 
originally employed by the scientist to help his wife out to write books. And then he died or whatever his wife died. And they were like, well, now we just have all these people who are trained to write. So um, they write for people. They write letters. They write uh, uh, speeches. They write all sorts of things for people. And ghostwriters. Ghostwriters, exactly. Uh, and the main plot concerns one of the Autumn Memory dolls, uh, Violet Evergarden, um, who was originally used as a military weapon uh, in the unspecified capital W war. And after her uh, leader or general, whoever her her love, <laughs> it turns <laughs> out, uh, Gilbert Bougainvillea, um, after he disappears after the war, um, she's left without arms and without a purpose. And she uh, ends up joining up with the Autumn Memory Dolls and starts to write for people. And each episode concerns uh, she, her on a different yeah. sort of job. Yeah. And she specifically joined because the last thing Gilbert said was, I love you. And she wants to know what love is. Yes. She said, what's that? Points to love. What's that? I don't know what that is. Seems fake. <laughs> I don't understand. So, again, based on a visual, on a light novel, um, it kind of feels like it. It's very, like, it's, so it's, what is it, 13 episodes? 12 episodes? 13. 13. 13. Um, each one, after it kind of starts, it takes a little while to get going. Um, for such a short anime, the beginning feels really, like, not plotting, but just like, you know, it's like a little, I don't want to say navel gazy, but it's very like reflective and just like quiet and relaxing. And then once it kind of gets going in each, and then we get into like each episode being a letter uh, or like a job that Violet has to do. Um, I think the show comes into its own as like a story about finding what to live for and about humanity. Uh, the problem is as Ryan was, was talking to us before we were recording is like, there is a war that is kind of at the center of this world that is important to the story because obviously Violet was a part of it and Gilbert was a part of it and everyone remembers it, but we never learn enough about it to understand the factions or why it happened or why it's ending. It just kind of exists on the fringe or why, or why people don't want it to end in some cases. Right. It's like, why are yeah. you a rebel? What makes you a rebel that you don't like it? You know? Maybe it's because so, uh, maybe Violet doesn't understand or know. So but she's kind of... but the they call them anti peace the anti peace movement. Yeah. What well, does that mean? What do they want? I'd still after even after the scene where they explained the reasons why, I still didn't really understand. Or they spoke in so vague a terms, like, okay, what does it mean that like this other country um succumbed to the south or whatever? Like what does that mean? What like political ramifications does that have? I was never very clear on it. And they just call them the anti-peace movement, which just makes it sound like they just want war all the time. I mean, to <laughs> Instead me, of like having like, a political goal. It's like extreme nationalism to the point where like people can't accept that any other country, they like don't want to be at peace with them because they feel that they are better than them or like that and um not wanting to lose territory or anything like that or wanting to gain more sure. territory and feeling like the the war didn't meet the goals that you want for your country mm -hmm. sure i just wish that was more explicit in the show i i feel that right because what it ends up being is like these little musings on love and 
the different ways that we express it and and like it's violet finding out what that means but again like then why put it within the context of like her coming from a military background and honestly i don't even know if they i, I feel like they don't make it clear enough what her state of humanity is because she's a human i spent like half of the show thinking she was an android no, uh, yeah it literally is like she, what i figured out after doing some reading and rewatching the first episode is like she was an orphan who was like not treated well for long enough time that she like uh kind of wasn't able to develop a personality for most of her life and then when she was brought up the first thing she was taught was like how to kill people so it was like all right yeah. i know how to do that child and, soldier and now i don't know now that war is over how do i how do I exist? Like, how do I carve out a living? Uh, and there's a lot of good in that, in her learning that. There's there's a lot of really good stuff with her, like, guilt over yeah. what she did during the war and, like, rectifying. Like, my favorite episode is episode 10. It's the episode I wish the show ended on, which is, like, I can't change what I did in the past, but I can make a path for myself for the future. And I thought that was a really good note to end the show on. Yeah. Um, I, and I didn't care about the war stuff afterwards. I thought I thought that episode was probably the strongest out of out of this batch. Episode ten is yeah. also the one where I ugly cried the most. Same out of like like literally sobbing, and it was harder <laughs> to watch it a second time because I already knew what was gonna happen. And so when I see like the interactions between the mother and the daughter again, and the like daughter not understanding and being like why can't i go oh yeah there's so harder the second time well it's a it's kind of a vague enough show that you can like find whatever attachment and emotion you can't you want out of every plot line like with that one i kept reading it as like yeah parental neglect and like the struggle to help your child understand that you're fighting for their future and how they can't understand that in the present because they're just too young to get it same thing with episode seven the playwright with the daughter and it's just like yeah. I want. It's not weird in the sense of like I want my daughter back. It's literally, literally like I want my muse back. There's a lot of like right. on the paper. This looks really weird. For example, episode five, the whole like the 14 year old princess wanting to marry the hot prince who's like 17. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And you're like, I yeah. know this yeah. is weird. The show knows this is weird, but yeah. it still is meant to work. It still kind of works. Yeah. As a as well, a nice romance. Partly because, like, when, like, he first met her, he didn't treat her as a potential spouse. He treated her like a person. Exactly. And so that's what made her like him. So instead of being like, oh, you know, political marriage, ages don't matter. It was like, oh, well, this person at least still cares for her in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him being like, I know that this relationship is weird. I'm aware of that. But the circumstances of our birth mean that we have to, we should we should try to make this work. And also, I like you as a person. And that whole yeah. thing is good. Um, so I, I, I felt that a lot about most episodes where I was like, yeah, this on paper is like really cute and nice and friendly. But like anytime you try to peel back layers of it, you're like, oh, this is mm. even like the one and this was at the time maybe my favorite episode just because of the like the setting but when uh when violet goes to the country of Australia to work with the transcribers who are like fixing the damaged manuscripts and she works yes. with that kid leon i love that setting so much like the lighthouse and it's like seaside and there's all these like old old books and it's just so beautiful but it's like leon as a character isn't that interesting him being made fun of isn't that interesting and then 
another read that you can find in the show that again Ryan, I'm like cribbing from just Ryan texting us earlier like <laughs> Violet as some sort of version of like a person who has difficulty in social skills for example somebody yeah. on the spectrum there's definitely a read of that in this show uh and it comes up a lot in that episode too where it's like you're making they're making fun of him and I know that's not good and I know I should defend him but like I don't know like why do I care like she just doesn't know what to care about you know how do you think that was handled that whole that metaphor if you can call it that uh I don't know I mean I'm not I don't feel particularly equipped to answer that question Mm -hmm. um I can't say that I do like I forgot what episode it was totally blanking on it but uh whatever episode it was where um she gets into a fight with somebody and she's just like i'm i can't read your emotions because i literally do not know how yeah i promise i'll try to be better at it yeah yeah but i like that i like that stuff um i can't i'm not going to speak for it as like an autism metaphor because i i don't have that experience i can't of course um but watching this show, I was reminded of like every data episode in Star Trek where it's like, I don't have emotions. I don't know how to feel. And it's like, no, you do. You just haven't realized that yet. And it was kind of just that over and over again, which I found funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't hate it or anything. I just thought it was kind of funny. Right. Like the 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 data comparison is really appropriate because it, it's it frames itself as like her learning, like you said, what is love? What is affection what is friendship why do i care about the relationship between a mother and her daughter why is that why do i cry when i watch them like realize that the mom is going to die like why does that elicit that response in her and she grows throughout the series which is really cool it's like nice watching her understand that but i don't know like her being just this young person figuring out her life really resonated with me and i kept wanting to like see her Mm -hmm. do better every episode it's like oh you're gonna get it you're going to figure this out someday yeah. Um, which I guess brings us kind of like a little bit into the the stuff that we didn't like so much, which is the last two episodes, twelve and thirteen. Uh, I mean, I didn't. I don't know about y'all. I know this. The vibe seemed generally kind of negative, but like twelve and thirteen. Yeah, episode different. twelve was a slog for me, but then it picked up by towards the end. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Well, so it ends up concerning itself with the major uh, Major Gilbert's brother, who's still alive. Yeah. And, and who's Violet's, a big jerk? He's a big stinky man. I, he's so one-dimensional; it really took me off. Especially because well, they keep talking about how Gilbert's amazing, and then it's like, here's his brother; he sucks, and you're like, okay. <laughs> well, I think that like Dietfried is like more uh, grounded in like combat, and also like he did love his brother, and I guess he just like wholeheartedly blames Violet for his death. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I get where your animosity has come from, but like, come on, dude. Grow up. I don't, Grow up, yeah, bro. it's not, it's not even that I don't like that he's an angry person. It's just like, he doesn't feel like a real person in yeah. the way that he's yeah. angry. It's more just that, like, he just, he always has the same line of like, oh, you're, you're not a real person. You're just a tool for war. Yeah. And then she fights people but doesn't kill them and then he's like well what good are you if you can't kill people why do you even exist and it's like what do you want from her (laughs) what do you want maybe he has like projection issues yeah i don't know i think he yeah he he, certainly does 
it's it's also like the show speaking of like the show having these politics that it never like really chews into because it doesn't have the time um they have people from the auto memory doll service writing for opposite sides of the war to to, to write a peace uh proposal that's yeah. a huge thing the same company wrote for both factions in this war and it's like, yeah, I'm, I know who I'm writing to. I can, I, or like in the Princess and Prince episode, she's like, yeah, the other girl who's writing for the Prince, she's my coworker. We're both writing yeah. to each other, basically. It's like, they never, one, one thing I really wanted out of the show was for it to, to really dig into like, why does this society even need ghostwriters? Like, what is it about their world mm-hmm. that they don't, well, no one, no one can write their own letters anymore. Right. Because the, princess like what well you know the princess ends up like basically writing her own letter it's violet being like you actually have the emotion and the power and the interest in this guy to write a beautiful romantic letter i'm just gonna put those words on paper that's my real job it's not to do it for you but like yeah why are they writing the peace proposal why are they writing like why are they i guess like fixing manuscripts is just you know uh that's more of like transcription than it is uh adaptation but yeah. there's a mixture of both in that kind of job. It's just like I do remember at the beginning she it was showed that like there wasn't still a lot of like literacy and not everybody knew how to read and write. But then again, like your points about the um like writing peace propos- proposals mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm just picturing somebody from behind her being like, yeah, Violet, tell them we don't want war anymore. <laughs> and t- <laughs> tell them we really hate that there's war and the anti-peace people should really chill for five minutes. Tell, write it. You should write it. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, thanks. This yeah. war girl is going to write that letter. And it works. <laughs> it fucking works. That's yeah. the fascinating thing about this world is like these, they got auto memory dolls to fix the war. Yeah. That was the other thing about 12 and 13 that just felt really kind of like hasty to me. Was they were like, there's this war. It seems never end. Literally, episode eleven is. I love. I love the setup of episode eleven. I think it's a little boring in like in execution, but basically she's sent to a war front to write for soldiers to or for a specific soldier. By the time she gets there, he's already been killed. So she instead writes his dying wish, and it's like, wow, war is eternal. War sucks. She has to give this to his family. How sad. Literally, next episode, it's like, hey, so we fixed the war. It's done now. You're like what? Right. What if this? So did none of that matter? Like we're just good. We're good. Yeah. Where well, does the show I mean, go? Yeah. Well, they killed all five of <laughs> of the anti peace movement. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> they got nobody left on that side. Exactly. One of the ideas that they wish they came back on was like the idea of needing a ghostwriter because you have a hard time expressing it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish it really came back to that because it kind of, it had that idea of it in the beginning and then it never really came back to it in like a big way. Um, I would I would like that explored a little bit more. Yeah. Like, just in terms of, yeah, go ahead. When she was at the training school with her friend, that was like the turning point of being like, she doesn't know how to express her feelings to her brother. So like Violet took it upon herself to write the letter for Lucilius? And, yeah. What was her name? Lucy- something like no, that. It's something like that. Yeah. Don't ask me anything about character Lu- Lucilia. <laughs> Lucilia. Okay, yeah. Her her brother. Luculia, as they say in the dub. Yeah. Oh, they did do. you watch oh. the dub? I watched the dub. Okay. 
I caught a little bit it of the makes dub. It, the, it makes fun. the names so much funnier. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. Oh, Mr. Uh, Bougainvillea. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Mr. Flanglanger. It's like, <laughs> to chill out. <laughs> it's, oh, there's a lot of subtlety in the Japanese that, 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 that like, the English just kind of, like, hammers. This is already not a subtle show. So occasionally I would watch the dub and be like, yeah, that seems right. And I would switch and be like, oh, my God. Maybe it's only subtle because I don't understand Japanese and it feels subtle. And maybe it's mm. just as silly, but we can't tell. But even the way they say Violet Evergarden sounds way cooler in Japanese. Yeah. Uh, well, all the okay. Sound cooler. Just to go off about dubs real fast. Go, you it's know it. Like, it's like instead of, okay, I don't know if anybody has watched Castlevania. but I've watched a little bit of it. In that show, the one on Netflix, that mm-hmm. one sounds like natural people talking. For yeah. some reason, like people who do dubs over like Japanese initial audio, it's like they're talking like how they think anime should sound rather than like having actual conversations and talking like regular people. Like, ugh, I I can't watch dubs anymore because I find them like so embarrassing like they're incredibly like childlike. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it other it's than like, that. It's like do you want to emulate do you want to emulate like what it would sound like in Japanese or do you like make your own thing? Yeah. And it feels like a lot of people do the former. Yeah. That's right. that's definitely how I feel because I, okay. So Eli and I tried to watch the, the, uh, my hero Academy two heroes movie mm-hmm. in the dub first because we accidentally rented the English version and we were like, okay, well, whatever, you know, we watched the show subbed, but let's try this. And there's just Different like a scene uh, where this dude goes, he's a transfer student from Japan. And I just <laughs> couldn't, I was like, no, nope, turn it off. Turn it off. I can't handle it. Uh, there's an episode. It's the, uh, it's the one between the prince and the princess. Yeah. Um, where we're dubbed, she says, I knew her uh, since she was in her mother's womb. <laughs> and I'm like, nobody says that. Those aren't <laughs> words. And then I turn on the subtitles and it's like, I've known her before she was born. I'm like, that's better. Why didn't you just have her read that <laughs> line? Say that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. But it's like, they, they sound like overly cartoony. And it like, to me, takes away from the seriousness of things and i'm like why you gotta be like that just talk like a normal person i don't right. know that's my major yeah. gripe with dubs in general yes that didn't bother me too much the, usually the reason for what you're talking about ryan where like they say something that's way too wordy and unnecessary in english is for lip syncing reasons yep uh yeah. which happens a lot oh god that's like the most classic thing in gundam is they just like speak a whole thing off and then you read in japanese and it's like three words and you're like oh yeah they were filling for lip sync space mm-hmm. but have you, have you it's ever really seen kung pao enter the fist i just watched it recently yeah. yeah okay there's that one part where they're like it's like the quote-unquote dub over he's like fighting these dudes and he you know like they'll say a line and it'll be dubbed over in english but then the guy's <laughs> lips are moving for like 30 like three se- straight seconds, seconds, seconds after. afterwards yeah oh that classic fucking dumb i love it i'm bleeding making me yeah. a victor <laughs> yeah. god it's yeah, so okay. it's so ridiculous if you like if you're the the, the generation of person that thought spongebob was just funny because the voices are good then you probably would like kung pao if you can get past the parts where it's like kind of offensive uh, but yeah. 
to get back to Violet Evergarden, the, the main dub sub difference yeah. that made a difference for me was um, Violet's voice, actually. And this also contributed to me thinking she was an android. She sounds more like an android yeah. in English. She sounds like, I guess, from Persona 3. That's a, I haven't played Persona 3, but I have I think I might have heard this character before. She's the android girl there in Persona 3. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she's definitely not doing a just like non-affective thing. She sounds like an android, which yeah. doesn't contribute to the confusion that I, or does contribute to the confusion that I had. Um. Um, but it definitely, it's a dub with a lot of budget. It's just like, well, okay, this is what a big budget dub looks like. It's fine. It's often bad, actually. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to go back to the, like, not expressing emotions thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't know where we got off track, but we did. It's okay. Anyway, um, the thing I liked about that idea is that it takes the onus off of Violet, um, as someone who's learning social cues, mm-hmm. um, and just putting the onus on everybody to be like it's okay to not know or express like how you're feeling to make it more generalized to make it something that everybody struggles with instead of like you know the the one child with ptsd who's still learning yeah um yep i just like that aspect of it and i was kind of disappointed that it didn't take that like it didn't make that a more broader theme i guess yeah, there's definitely there's definitely yeah. characters who criticize her for not getting it, like the whole her learning at the school thing. The whole plot of that first uh, episode two or three, whatever, is she's in this course. She's an amazing typer because she has metal hands that can like be adjusted to type as fast as she needs to, but she doesn't know how emotions work, and so everyone's just like, "Man, you really you're bad at emotions." And she's like, "I don't know how to fix that," and the re- the show yeah. is her fix is figuring that out. And then, like you said, it turns out that these social cues that we assume are gospel and make you a like well-rounded person are actually like kind of bullshit and you can, you can learn them really easily and you can like be a better person by not adhering to them. She's like the best writer. Or, or, or like, it doesn't matter how well-versed you are socially, like you're still going to struggle with some stuff and that's okay. And that's fine. Yeah. 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 Uh, That was a theme I really liked by the end was her being like, yeah, like, what I choose to live for is the act of living is the act of like figuring out and, and getting better at this. I'm not going to like get as good as everyone else. And then I'm done, which is something I can relate to is feeling that like constant incompetency amongst your peers. But yeah. understanding that like the struggle is the fun part is the part that's worth living for uh, and not waiting for somebody that is an ideal in your head. Like she does with Gilbert. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why the ending of this show is worth discussing. <laughs> okay. All so, right. uh, at after the credits, after everyone is like, Violet, you have a client waiting. Good job. Congratulations, Violet. This is why I will continue to live my life. You're like, wow, this is so good. She goes to a house for one last project. She says, hi, I'm the auto memory doll. And she looks up and goes and looks towards the camera and goes <gasps> and smiles. And says, Violet Evergarden at your service. Yeah. And we're left to suspect that that could be anyone. It could be Gilbert. He could just be yeah. alive. Spoiler and a- alert. He is alive. In yeah, the, the manga confirms he's super. <laughs> that's him. What's up? But but he actually, like, he is introduced in the train scene in the light novel. So he, like, comes oh. to save the day against the anti-peace faction. So oh, that's interesting. There is a, like a decent amount of difference 
Mm-hmm. And I personally prefer the anime because I feel like just, just like, oh, by the way, here's Gilbert. He's saving the day. I feel like that destroys a lot of the character development that Violet went through. I, it's super. Do- Ryan, do you agree? This super does. If it's just like, yeah, Gilbert's alive and now you can be in love with him and like have him in your life. <sighs> yeah. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm like conflicted on that. Um, I completely understand because I like I like happy endings. So, like, when but I'm, the whole point was for her to move on. Yeah, that's I know. What, exactly, exactly. So and, I'm like, and as I understand it, the manga, like, he explicitly said, like, I told you to tell her I was dead so she can learn to live on her own. Yes. Um. So it's kind of like having your cake and you needing it too, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. He does say that, like, he won't, like, be with her or, like, uh, I guess, like, in, in any, not, like, any capacity. Like, obviously, they can still be, like, acquaintances and stuff. But he won't, like, have a serious mm. relationship with her in any way until she decides what her feelings are for herself. Mm, I don't like that either. Mm, maybe not. <laughs> because because <laughs> now you're just making it a quest again. Yeah. And I would rather just have him, like, reject her outright. Instead of, like, oh, and until you truly are able to be with me, you need to figure out this out for yourself. That's like... Well, what's the point then? And if he did that, he wouldn't have called her to the job. He had a choice. You get a choice of doll, I think, or they try to like send their best for you when you call for the auto memory dolls. So like him being like, "All right, I want Violet to come back," is like, what are you saying? So that you want her to like br- revert and like go back to just caring about you and nobody else? Because that's shitty. It kind of. Yeah. I think I think the the reader or whatever the viewers take on this ending depends on if you want her to like understand what love is by like having her love come back or understand what love is by like learning about how affection works and how love isn't just between two people you know like love isn't just like a man obviously not like a man and a woman love is like between a mother and a child love is between a father and a daughter love is between uh two young people in on opposite sides of a war like love is not just or or learning that love is knowing when to let go right 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 <laughs> or yeah love is yourself like love yourself and love yeah. what you do yeah um but her, but gilbert being back and being like i'm here and ready to be in your life is just like okay so then love is your your man finally came back and that's like what you wanted like okay, okay it's good well, to, well okay okay so in my take yeah it's like some somehow <laughs> And for some reason, Gilbert was able to read the letter that she wrote to him at the end. And even though it's like scattered, you know, across with all these millions of other letters, he somehow is still alive and able to read it and read it. And then was like, oh, you know what? She is her own person now. And she has become like the person that I wanted her to to be and the person I knew she could be. So, like, since she doesn't need me anymore, we can stand with each other as equals, question mark? Yeah. Instead of, like, her 
like, you know, she acknowledges her feelings and she has talked about, like, all the growth she has as a person. And so she's not just, like, solely dependent on his, like, memory or his orders anymore. And so then he's like, okay, so we can actually, like, have a human relationship. Right. As people, not as in military context anymore, just as lovers. There's a there's a good version of that that exists, I think. Yeah. Um, I think, actually, the did either of you watch the OVA? I did not because I, I don't know. It's it's good. It's another episode. It's like thirty three minutes, a little bit longer. Um, do you mind if I talk about what happens in the OVA a little bit? No, that's fine. Sure. At, so basically, she's hired again for another mission. So it takes place in the middle of the series, I guess. Um, to write, I guess it's just referred to like as a beautiful song for a playwright who's writing this really like important play. Um. She can't figure it out. She actually enlists the help of all of the other auto memory dolls um, who I wish honestly got more time. That's one of the things where I was like, if I read the novel, would I like get more of these characters? Cause they're all good. Uh, none of them can figure it out. And then she goes and this old guy shows her this like abandoned uh, post office where it's letters that were never sent because they never had a sending address on them. So it's just... baby shoes never worn. <laughs> 100 it's just like a million baby shoes never worn and she's like damn all these baby shoes are never worn i should write some baby shoes like the poignancy in it is is a love letter more powerful when it doesn't get to when it doesn't get there like is there something about it like being sent off into the ether and then gone that is more beautiful and her like considering that leads to her writing this like really stunning beautiful song thing at the end and they actually like play the song and it's kind of cute um that kind of for me was more of like this is what you get when you don't think of love in like binary terms it's like also love is like it doesn't even have to be fulfilled even just like hoping that gilbert is alive is still beautiful and then like moving on with your life and going beyond that is beautiful i don't know i'm mm. a sap the first episode of, yeah. of the show made me cry and the last one made me cry it's a very uh, I, heavy okay show. so like after the episode where she she goes to the the writer who lost his daughter yep. with the in the parasol. At that point, that was just like crying every time, crying every episode. Yeah, After all the episodes from there are good too. Yeah. Except the last two, I guess. Um but yeah, I I we also didn't we haven't mentioned this is like the prettiest anime of all time. <laughs> this is why I've watched it. Okay, so Kyoani, I'm just gonna go off a little bit here, is go my off. absolute favorite animation studio um they're the ones who like did k-on and a ton of other things that i think are beautiful so like if kyoani comes out with something i'm gonna watch it regardless of like how i feel about it just because i i really just admire their animation and everything so i saw the like promotional video for this anime back in 2016 i waited two whole years and was excited and hyped for two whole years to watch this because Damn. it didn't come out in the u.s until the uh april of 2018 uh, yeah i remember or, hearing or, Arke i remember hearing yeah. Arkeoni from you actually katie because you were talking about something that they had put out that you were watching. You were talking about on this on yes. Fireside Friends, and I was like, "Oh yes. man, that yeah. was uh, Myriad Colors, Phantom World." There you I go. I also talked about Sound Euphonium. Sound Euphonium, Full Metal Panic, Kaon, Clonade, Taruhi Suzumiya. Damn, they did good stuff. Nichi Joe, uh, more stuff, and Miss yep. Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, which is a fun show. 
Um, yes. So, yeah, it's beautiful. It's very, like, Palette Watch 2019, motherfuckers. <laughs> Bringing it back. We back. Kick the door down. Here's my palette. It's just, like, a bright orange and red and white. Um, it's very, like, spring colors to me. Like, flowers, you know. Yeah, there's a lot, of, have... lot of good flower animation in this show. Yeah. And, we have and... iris and violet, so, of course, there's going to be flowers it's kind of corny when she's like why am i called violet and then she sees a violet and she's like damn that's beautiful damn that's my oh, name right yeah like, ugh, I, ugh, I must, you have to be a sap to enjoy a lot of the show honestly or just or power through yeah. it if you have to um yeah it's very beautiful it i feel like the the look contributes to the like constant feeling of wanting to cry though because everything just feels so like delicate and like it's going to collapse any moment and it's so detailed and beautiful and you're like oh oh this is like incredibly rendered no wonder it's only 13 episodes this was probably a bajillion dollars to make probably um, there yeah. is one more thing that i do want to mention Please. and that is something that is lost in translation i guess hmm. um and that is like the differences in i don't know if i would call it like love levels but, like, there's different words for love in Japanese. Oh, right. And so, like, what Gilbert says to her is aishiteru, which is, like, that is, like, like, family members will rarely, rarely say that. Um, and you might hear it from a spouse, like, once or twice. And it's, like, like all-encompassing love so that so in you know he says from the bottom of my heart i love you um i should use like a very specific concept of being like totally like committed to someone. With somebody yes and so like the other words you can use for like or love is ski and daisuke mm -hmm. so ski is like whenever you're like confession to your school crush you say like ski mm -hmm. and daisuke is like i love you Right. And then there's Ice Shady, which is, like, above that. And so I think that is significant in what he says. That doesn't really have an equivalent in English. So it's, like, he he's super serious. Right. They, it's There's no better way that I can think of to translate that as, like, I am committed to you. Or, like, I am... I give my all, I, I everything I have, I want to give to you. It's like a supreme love kind of declaration. So yeah. that's the the way, the only way that they express that even like through without words is every time she asks somebody like, what does this word mean? Everybody gets like a, a glint in their eyes. They're like, oh shit, that's like big, Violet. You can't just say that to people. That's like a big thing you said. You can't just say, I love you. Yeah. But when you hear that in English, you're like, yeah, you can eat, I say that to my dog <laughs> it's not that weird <laughs> to say like i love you cool um that's a good point though yeah it's uh it's definitely a like show with the japanese written in mind uh which is cool do we have any other straight thoughts on violet evergarden folks uh the part which episode was it the part where she just like comes back from writing a letter and then just has a breakdown it's a mood because she uh, yeah because she, like she was like containing the, her emotions the whole mm -hmm. time instead of like instead of not feeling them that scene was really good yeah <laughs> the, 
Uh, that I know which one you're talking about. That's when she like refuses to do any more work and like. Ugh, yeah, that that gets me too because she's like, when she says, you know, like I don't deserve to live. Kind right. Of thing there, there's a ton of what I've done. Yeah, I, I have I killed too many people to have my life worth worth like living anymore. Uh, a lot of good like build and release of her emotional moments in the show. Like um, she doesn't really emote that much in episode 10 until when she does, like when it's literally the mom explaining to the daughter, like why you, I can't talk to you is yeah. because I'm busy writing the rest of your, I'm helping you like be a parent for the rest of your life beyond the grave. And then that's the point when Violet just like collapses in front of the two of them yeah. and is sobbing. Yeah. You're like, uh, same, same. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so uh, much. The like montage at the end of episode ten, it's just like, oh, that you watched the whole think... girl live her life. It's so I know. Good. And then she had a kid that... with a fucking rando. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that like, that's where the ugly boy. cry really popped out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of like work so hard, have to perform, have to like not know how to express myself, and then like, oops, I exploded, and I can very, very much relate to that. Um. Yeah, it's a good. It's a. Yeah, I think it's a good show. I had heard mixed things uh, before watching it, but I'm really glad we watched it. It's a very powerful show. It'll get you if you let it, and uh, it's fucking stunning. Gilbert's dead. Gilbert's dead. That's <laughs> that, canon. Fireside Friends canon declared. Imagine, imagine Gilbert dead. <laughs> imagine Violet in, instead of that. We didn't talk about the fact that one of her co-workers gets like pregnant with the stupid red-haired guy. Isn't that the implication <laughs> at the ending? Do we do we did anyone else pick up on this? I don't know. So Hodgins at the end is like uh talking about something like, "Oh, I'm like going to be writing for a kid in the future." And then the girl, the other co-worker with the long black hair comes up and is like, "Yo, what's up?" And it's like, "Did you have make a baby with one of your co-workers?" Dude, Hodgins <laughs> no thanks i'm good she's a she's a fun character and then they just make her the pregnant woman at the end and you're like bye bye stop <sighs> i wish she was more of a character because every time she was on screen i'm like yep here's the boob lady here's the boob just lady okay. totally okay so one thing i do want to say like in regards to her and her name her name is like catalia or something and it kind of looks like cattle and she's got like <laughs> Oh, very no. large breasts. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's, a, that's immediately my first thought whenever uh, I saw her and her name together. So, you cool. know. And his name, is, his name is Claudia Hodgins, by the way. Yeah, it's Claudia. Which is a good, that's interesting. Um, yeah, there when when she was introduced, I was like, "Oh God, are all of the auto memory dolls going to be like hot women? Is this like the fucking people who made the Gundam, where it's just like all it's all like beautiful women that work in a science lab? Is that the bullshit we're getting at?" But then, yeah, some of them are just totally normal. She's just an out. She's just a very beautiful woman, and they don't yeah, over sexualize her other than her dress, you know. Yeah, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> Yeah. I've seen stuff Erica, like this. Erica, Erica is very plain. I think. I love but, Erica. Yeah. Erica's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you're like, you're like, who amongst us can't relate? Erica's just like in the back, like, 
Emotions, interesting. <laughs> Judging. It's like I'm not, I'm not good at this job. I don't know why I'm here. I'm. Just I don't know. Nice I'm gonna anyway. watch other people be good at it. <laughs> yeah, Erica's very good. Uh, is there? There's another one too. There's like three main ones. Oh, uh, Iris. I like her outfit the most. Yeah, yeah Iris is pretty like, cool. Yeah. But again, they don't get a lot to do. It just goes by so fast. It's like I finished the show in less than a week. Yeah. Uh-huh. But do you, they're not going to get a second season, are they? Like, no. It's a movie. Oh, yeah, you're right. They announced yeah, the movie. Yeah, there is a movie coming yeah. out next year. I'll take it. I'll watch it and cry again. Just, <laughs> just make Gilbert dead. Just make, yeah, just confirm Gilbert I want dead. Gilbert alive! Like, okay. I just want her to move on. Yeah, that's that's the story. That's the version of the story. That's the hand that you want. I get it, but also like, whenever I <laughs> whenever I watched uh, Beyond the Boundary, which is another KyoAni animation, mm-hmm. um, the main character Mirai, for whatever reason, like dies and disappears like forever. Like she's gone. There's no way she's coming back. Anyway, she just randomly shows up afterwards and they're like oh she's back and it's like okay i accept this because otherwise i would have been uh pretty sad so like even though i don't think it is good writing it still makes me feel good so that's how i feel (laughs) that's how i feel about gilbert like i don't know Yeah, I actually did a cosplay of her, so you know. I was post. I posted a picture in our group chat that the main character Mariah from that show is just Katie, like a hundred percent. But yeah, it's uh, make Gilbert dead. Uh, give her like another really like long epic. Like the the OVA made it seem like okay, they could totally. They have so many more ideas they could just squeeze into this story. Um, that would be really interesting. You can make any of those into a movie. Just don't make it a sequel where he's alive and it's them falling in love or not. Don't do that. I don't want that. I would like that. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Katie's in the back. I would like it only if they don't get together. Right. If they are like, That's okay. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note. <laughs> Gilbert's dead. Let's, uh, let's, let's enter the plug zone. Uh, we are hosted on abnormalmapping.com. Uh, shout out to them for keeping the archive up and letting us like take a hiatus because uh, they understand uh, that it's hard to host a podcast consistently. Uh, so go to abnormalmapping.com, check out their stuff. They got they got two game clubs, uh, a Star Trek podcast that they just quit because <laughs> Discovery Season 2 sucks. Uh, they have Gundam on their Patreon. That's like a dollar a month. You get, they're watching all the Gundams. Uh, it's a very good time. Austin Walker was on an episode. Uh, watch, listen to the Gundam show. <laughs> uh, you can find us at firesidefriends.net. We are on that website, so just go to that website. Uh, we are also on Patreon. If you want to, if you want to go ahead and, and contribute to the monthly tip jar, uh, figuring out the. Okay, this will. I'm just gonna leave this on. I don't care. Does Patreon do the thing where like, before it gives you the money, it deduct it deducts like how much you're paying your Patreons? Like, does the money you get oh. from Patreon <laughs> go to your creators? Because if so, I gotta make a separate Patreon page. <laughs> That's a good question because I made a separate Patreon page, so I don't. I have no clue. 
Which what order uh, of operations is it? Does it pull and then give you, or does it give you and then pull? Like what's right? Because if that's the case, I can give anybody my bank account <laughs> to distribute. Um, so we'll figure that out. Patreon.com/slash/firesidefriends um, is where you find that. It's also on our landing page over on Abnormal Mapping. Um, Twitter.com/slash/podcastfireside. It's our Twitter, uh, and yeah. Those are the plugs. You can find me at BluestRose430 on Twitter. Uh, Alan, where can people find you and your stuff? Uh, I currently co-host two other podcasts. Um, one is a podcast on Scanline Media called The Johto Quorum, uh, where my friend Six and I create a new and improved list of all the Pokemon. So we're cutting all the, the stinkers and keeping all the winners. <laughs> It's really fun. And I'm on that podcast a lot. R- Ryan's so. been on that podcast twice. You want more of me? Yeah, I'm there. I I fucking love it. It's it, it was it, it came out of just like a dumb joke of like how funny would it be if we made this? Oh, whoops, we're doing it every week now. Okay, great. Um, you should listen to that. It's everywhere you listen to podcasts. You should also listen to Chats, a television podcast, which I've been hosting for almost four years now. Jesus Christ, with uh, <laughs> my best friend Magellan. We're currently about halfway through babylon 5 um and if you've ever been interested in that show you should check that out i know there was like some minor discussion of babylon 5 online recently and it just turned 20 so this is a good time to jump on and listen to us be occasionally impressed and mostly a little disappointed in that show um (laughs) check it out katie you can find me at cedar grave on instagram twitter and DeviantArt. And also cedargrave.card with two R's.co. I have like a tiny little portfolio thing on there. And it's also got like about me. So. Plug the art. Art plug. Yeah. Good, good, good art. I do. I do good the art, art sometimes. I like to draw. Um, you did the art for this podcast, I, which is yes, still really good. I did the art for this podcast. I've done the art for another podcast that have Ryan in it. And currently, now you're work- working, you're working on, another. on a third. <laughs> so oh, I'm so excited for that one. There, there is. I do that. I also really just, you know, if you ever like, huh, I feel like I need to give money to somebody. I'm do- totally down for commissions. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. That's the show. Uh, we will go and post uh, what we're doing next month uh, on Twitter and on firesidefriends.net but until then thank you so much for listening and uh, see you next month don't forget to take care of yourself what if I what if I stopped saying that yeah Gilbert said (laughs) season 3 fireside friends I don't say that anymore you should have already you've already taken care of yourself now we're on to Gilbert dead It's a new world, now you now you now you already you've already learned. Now you can just move on with your life. Excellent. That's how mental health works. Exactly. It's it's a level up system, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Galaxy brain, my mental health. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs)